Welcome to Zero to CEO, where seasoned entrepreneurs will teach you how to succeed. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. In today's episode, I speak to co-founder and CMO of Catanica, Chris Cronin. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jason. I love Thanks how it, me. before we started, I told you, Ryan, the Encyclopedia Britannica, it's, such, it's just such a childhood memory. So I, I actually, before, I don't usually ask people this, but what came, like, how did you come up with the name Catanica? Like, what was that all about? Yeah, um, kind of interesting story, actually. So we make and started the business making really heavy duty outerwear. So out of the thousand denier Cordura, ballistic nylon when we first started. So really thick exoskeletons and chitin is the molecular component for bug exoskeletons as well as crustaceans and whatnot. Mm. And so we are the world of exoskeletons. So Chitanica, we spell it with a K because it, it looks Kitanica. cooler yeah, yeah, yeah. phonetically. Yeah, well, that's how I say it. It's, I mean, we're sold around the world, so people say it all sorts of different ways. <laughs> no, we don't really correct anybody or care as long as it's, I mean, you spell it right, the email will go through, right? That's very cool. Um, you know, and what yeah. you guys actually do, you know, we're going to translate this to other industries, of course, um, because not everybody runs a clothing business. But I got to say, uh, clothing businesses have to be one of the hardest to run because of the fact that there is so many types, there's so many types of clothes out there and brands and, you know, just in general, how do you find to get the visibility that you need in the sea of other brands? I mean, how, how do you navigate that? Yeah, um, podcasts, for one, <laughs> for starters, um, but also, uh, you know, a lot of just social media, um, affinity groups, influencers getting your product out there with people that appreciate and can kind of spread the word for you. Speaking um, of one thing that's just to, yeah. just to, just to dive into that for a sec. So influencers, that's like a big topic in general, especially the past, I guess, five years, there's been advantages, mm -hmm. disadvantages. What have you seen to be the challenges of using influencers? Um, paid influencers are really tough um, to get like a return on a lot of, I've seen and, and used it in marketing other, you know, kind of uh, other brands that they're kind of their own network and they all uh, comment on their own posts. And so you'll, you'll pay them product and you'll see like, oh, what is this person who commented said that you go chase down the, that, that, the rabbit that hole. trail, who, who, who is making all these comments. It's like, oh, it's other influencers that are just like mm -hmm. helping them promote apparently promote your stuff, but they're not really, they're just kind of like fake impressions and fake engagement. So that kind of sucks. And so I don't really do paid. I really just do. And that's the nice thing about clothes and expensive premium outdoor adventure gear is like people want it and they don't want to necessarily pay all the money for it. So if you load them down with gear, they will post about it and like honest and reviews. Just, yeah. Almost naturally too. Like, you know, I have some rancher guys that, hunter rancher guys that just um, want to live in the gear and, and post all the time. I'm always reposting their stuff. And that means I don't have to go out and get that content and yeah, they're and doing that, it in a little way that I can't do. And that falls into the category of UGC, right? User generated content, which has grown exponentially and it kind of left influencers in the dust. Um, you know, I personally use it for my brands as well. And I seem to right. get a ton more click through rates and installs and purchases on UGC because it's authentic, right? Um, now, I know you guys ran a Kickstarter campaign, and, um, you know, I've also run one unsuccessfully and one successfully. So I know what it takes to do 
uh, to get what you need. What did you find to be the uh, challenges to running the Kickstarter that other people should know before they get into it? Top three. Yeah. Um, top three. First off, fulfillment through Kickstarter is a nightmare. They, I give you one survey to get everyone's color, size, oh. and then you don't get that. And you don't get everybody, they don't, there's no instruction. It's just like you are. And we, we hired an agency actually to help us with it. And they're like, okay, so they raised, they got the, we were successful, thankfully, but um, we also essentially did it as a marketing ploy and did not charge full rack rate on our product. So it was, they were really driving us to discount it and everyone's going to basically drive you to give it away because they get the return on what, funds they raise. And so, yeah, we sold 1200, but everyone got a screaming deal on this product. Like right, right. nobody. Does. And so, but that's cool. If you're trying to get something off the ground, I mean, you've got to know that going in, but also the fulfillment, I'm still chasing down phone numbers from people internationally that I, they didn't ever give me their phone number. So I can't ship it to them. Oh, and wow. then they don't do the Kickstarter anymore. And then there's Kickstarter messaging. And then you have to go chase them on email. Cause some of those aren't actual emails. Those are just like, yeah, Kickstarter, you know, I remember it's an ocean nightmare. of consumer service. So, yeah. I mean, do you recommend Customer. that people out there listening to this or watching this that they should not use Kickstarter and they should just try to launch on their own website with their own system? I would try it first. Um, but, you know, there there is something to Kickstarter. Uh, it's it's a platform. It's great. I know other people use it really successfully. I know, you know, uh, a partner business that that lives by it and picks up and picked up a lot of retailers through it. So that's what we were trying to get. Um, that didn't necessarily happen through ours, even though we sold 1200 pieces, it was all direct to consumer. Um, but yeah, it was from, visible, from, but from what, from what I remember, also, you need to get a lot of press and media, right? Like that's the Kickstarter. Like it, you need journalists to pick up the, 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 the story. Right. And, and that costs yeah. a lot of money and you got to do it like months ahead of time and let them know here's the release date. And like most people don't do that. They just release it. They let their friends and family know. They post it on social media and they hope that they get that $10,000 they're looking for if that's what they ask for. So um, let's, yeah. talk, let's one, talk about one, one last thing. One last thing about Kickstarter that no one really knows. And I learned this once we hit the 100,000 mark uh, and, and funds raised that only 4% of Kickstarters make over a hundred thousand dollars and raise over a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, yeah. Which, which is, I mean, there's so many Kickstarters out there, so I guess that makes sense, but it's just, you only really hear about the ones. Oh, they made 4 million. They're golden now. And it's oh, like, no, yeah, but that, they spent 3 million in advertising. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say they spent that budget on, on press and marketing. Um, Cause mm -hmm. usually people are trying to get 10 to 25,000. That's the sweet spot. Um, you know, mm -hmm. for, when I had done my my first, one of my first documentaries, I was going for ten, and I got twenty five. So I was like, "Oh, I got m way more than I wanted." Um, but you're right. you're making this gear in the U.S., which has to come with its. Again, there's upsides and downsides to everything, but I mean, I would just think making things in America has got to be good for the brand because you're in America, and Americans want to support American companies. But what mm -hmm. are the challenges to that when you could probably get it for like a quarter or even an eighth of the price? overseas yeah. uh well knockoffs for one so we're a premium good and there's companies knocking us off left and right amazon is completely complicit in it they sell our trademark name as a as a keyword search term for these wow. knockoff companies knockoff companies 
uh, just have a, their Amazon build out is far beyond what we do because we don't even sell on Amazon because I mean, we do have a partner that sells for us on Amazon, but certain products that make sense on Amazon versus our $700 Cordura jacket sewn in the United States, they'll sew it in China and sell it for, you know, a hundred mm. and uh, all day long for every product, almost, almost not every product, but all the ones that sell really well and people are searching for it, they'll just, they're making them. And uh, I just saw a pair of pants yesterday that are our pants that are com- stitch by stitch knockoff sold over Amazon. We've put in many complaints. We have an attorney working on it. They won't do anything about it. They're, there's just, Jesus. and they do it across all industries on Amazon. And Ugh. it's a nightmare, but that does not sound not the real thing. It's not the real thing. It's not the same quality. I mean, we focus on quality and overbuilding things and they, you know, then I've there heard- are companies also that go and steal people's, you know, they put out the knockoff and they uh, steal people's identity and they yeah. install malware and like, I mean, there's I've, a lot of, I've seen this before, you know, just not just clothing, but I mean, every single product that ever comes out. Uh, I mean, you watch Shark Tank. I mean, everybody watches Shark Tank and you watch the entrepreneurs go there and pitch their idea. And the next thing you know, they say, well, isn't this easy to do? Can anyone else do it? You're like, oh, yeah, but you have a several knockoffs, you know? I mean, there's always going to be knockoffs. I, I think at the end of the day, you can't knock off branding, right? Branding is what matters. So, like, you know, you can make another type of Coke, but the brand name Coke is so powerful and, you know, ubiquitous around the world for soda that you can buy the RC Cola or the, you know, the shopping brand Cola and it's not Coke, right? So I think you have mm-hmm. that advantage. And I think, the made in the USA label helps you. Uh, why is it on the upswing? I've noticed a lot lately that that made in the USA tagline is like kind of like the future of uh, of fashion. Well, most things are made in China. Certainly apparel, I think the majority of it is made in China. And, you know, there's a, there's a real negative sentiment towards China and doing business with China. Um, and and not so much for the other Asian countries. You know, we, we do have a bag line that is we designed everything and made all the samples and then sent the samples to a factory and that we use in Vietnam for our bags. And people aren't don't have that visceral reaction that they do when you talk about China about, and right. making things. Uh, Vietnam's way more friendly. They make the really reputable bag makers out there. Most bags mm-hmm. come from there. Anybody making a bag wants to make it in Vietnam because right. they are good at it. And so we're proud to do it there and have an incredible partner. But getting that story across is really tough to do. Um, but yeah, I, the the one thing about making clothes in America is you got to continue to innovate and stick to your quality guns because they don't, they're only imitating, you know, they, they're not the real thing. And if you just keep one step ahead coming out with new products, being the brand that you know you are versus what they're trying to be. Um, it's, it's almost like an ocean. You know, it's trying to boil the ocean is, is trying to fight all those, the copyright infringement over the internet right now. Yeah, Happen I mean, in music, happens in kind of. I was going to say, you see art. this everywhere, right? I mean, yeah. I, I, you always see like the Facebooks and the Googles of the world trying to copy the apps that they want to buy and the apps turn down their offers. So then they just copy them, but then they fail and they shut it down. And I'm like, why are you copying the app that's successful they don't want to sell to you doesn't mean you have to copy them and then fail it's just leave it alone right you know you you said innovation right they don't know how to innovate it sounds like right 
not not in that not in that space because they don't know the consumer like we know the consumer. But also, it happens in you know in almost across so many industries where the retailer themselves will knock it off. Like a Cabela's, if we sold our premium, you know, they'll sell a Patagonia jacket. You know, let's say they sell a Patagonia jacket that's two hundred and fifty bucks. They'll they're like, oh, that's selling really well. We should have our own. And then they have their own factories and they make their own mm-hmm. version. It's a little bit different, but it's very much the same. And ten, and it's a hundred bucks less. And, and it's all the right profit. next to it. <laughs> and yeah, like, so, so, but let me ask you a question. Thing. So like, okay, so yours is two fifty. Theirs is one fifty. Um, you would have gotten maybe a hundred in profit from the jacket if they sold it for two fifty, and then they get the rest. I guess I don't know how it works at wholesale retail prices, but right. isn't it worth it to to not do that? Make the profit they're going to make working with the creator of it, and then using the brand as a plus. Like, okay, this is made in the USA. It's made by this you know Katanica brand that's well known. And you guys are going to promote their store on your social media. So they're getting right. free marketing. So doesn't that make more sense or is there, is there, am I missing something? I think they want both, you know, they, they have enough uh, consumer traffic to support both. And if they didn't, they wouldn't make, they wouldn't, they would either not carry us, which they don't, but, or they wouldn't make their own, you know, and I, I think that they would figure that out They're analytics team would tell them what's revenue positive and not, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's, there's the brand is key, you know, and it's where it all starts, you know, and it's, and it starts all these different kind of versioning and imitators and it just kind of defining the space. It sounds like uh, to close things out, like the, the top three things somebody would need to do in order to launch a successful uh, clothing brand is number one would be the brand is make sure you have that really clear. What are the other two? Um, production and sourcing. That's the hardest thing in the clothing business. We actually started our own factory because, so we have sewers in-house that are on the payroll that sew every day, make our gear because you'll get it back and it won't be right. And then you won't be able to sell it. Right. That, that is the shackle that is, it haunts every clothing <laughs> manufacturer you get especially overseas, you know, what are you going to do? When you get a hundred thousand um, units. Yeah. Get a hundred thousand units and they all smell like uh fish or something. And oh. doing, you don't even know how they're, they're going to come. There's no, there's no zippers. How, but they're coming to you and they're not going to be able to sell them or you'll have to finish them somehow, like redo the cuffs on oh. the, on the pants or like, this pocket's not where it's supposed to be. You know, like that kind of thing. I can't even imagine. No, it's a nightmare. And <laughs> and it's happened to us. It's happened to us with the US manufacturers too, which is why we, you know, it's not just it's not just overseas. It's, but they can be held more accountable. You can hold them more accountable. And- you gotta hold their hand and you gotta sit through it and know what you're doing. You know, like we my brother started the company um with us and I mean it's he's the designer, so it's all kind of around his designs, and he's always been able to sew everything he's designed Got so it. he has that expertise and it's like if i i mean i would be terrified to go in and like try Same. to make fanny pack <laughs> without being able to make a fanny pack like we right. sewed samples and sent them to him and we're like okay we want this Don't right, make right. It differently here's the thread we're using here's the here's the fabric right. we want ykk zippers cordura fabric it needs to be heavy duty we're not jacking around and so you provide the blueprint and they just the template they just have to copy everybody. it basically yeah right, that's awesome. yeah yeah and that's 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 i mean that's probably more than three but <laughs> yeah no we're good we, we can uh, we can yeah. let people know where they can actually buy this stuff it sounds awesome yeah, uh, kitanica.com, K-I-T-A-N-I-C-A.com. 
Um, everything's sold direct there. Uh, Sweet. Yeah. And you guys are on socials on Kaitanica as well. I noticed everywhere. Yeah, Kaitanica USA is uh, Instagram. That's where we focus mostly. Um, awesome. That all translates to Facebook too. So Awesome. Thanks, Chris. Everybody check out Kaitanica.com. Grab your outdoor gear made in the USA. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Anytime. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you learned something today, please support this podcast by subscribing to it, sharing it with your friends, and leaving a five-star review. You can learn more about me at jasonsherman.org, where you'll find information about my book, also called Strap on Your Boots, available on Amazon, as well as my course called Startup Essentials on Udemy or Skillshare. I'll see you at next week's episode.